Mixed martial arts and boxing fans, it's time for Fighter's Fury, Inside the Heart of a Champion, with your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighter's Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Good Sunday morning, everybody. Welcome on in. It is Fighter's Fury here. On 790 The Ticket, Tobin here with you for the next hour. We will dive all over the world of mixed martial arts and boxing. A packed, packed fight night affair it was last night as Tyson Fury was fighting Otto Valen or Whalen or Valen, Valen, Hello, I don't know how exactly. It, it, was, it was a bunch of, you know, pronunciations throughout the whole broadcast. Either way, bloody affair. It was, uh, it was an exciting fight. I didn't feel like it was a very close fight, but I felt like it was a very exciting, um, I don't even know if I want to put it competitive, but it was intriguing. Here's what goes down. So, Whalen gets, uh, he, he, you know, comes out the first round, very much a feeling out process. Tyson Fury had said that he wanted this to, to be uh, a longer fight affair, get some rounds under his belt. And, uh, you know, Whalen was able to show that he wasn't scared early on, got in his kitchen a little bit. Nice first round. I gave him the first round. I thought Tyson started uh, started unloading a little bit in the second and feeling himself a little bit more comfortable. But things really changed in the third round. Third round happens uh, about uh, about towards the end of it. Bang! Gets hit with the left hand. Uh, they come out of a little bit of a scrum, and you know it was an ugly fight to begin with. You got southpaw versus orthodox, so that's always prime for headbutts. Always prime for clashes of uh, of the old brow. Um, but you see that Tyson Fury is bleeding. He is bleeding. Uh, but it wasn't there wasn't a clear headbutt situation, so no reason to believe that it wasn't a punch. They go to the replay. Whalen hits him with a uh, with a with a massive left hand right on the right on the brow of his eye. It's cut open bad. It's a it's a nasty cut. They go right to the corner. You see that? You're like, oh, that's gonna be a problem for Tyson Fury. That's not that is that 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 is no bueno. So. You know, at this point, not only does he have a giant massive cut under his eye, but three rounds in, I got him down in the fight. I got him down 2-1. Um, not massively, but, you know, if, if a guy gashes you open like that in a thing where there wasn't a lot of significance, then you go with the guy who caused the big damage shot. And it was. It was done by a punch. And there was some confusion, I mean, throughout the entire uh, early going of this fight about whether it was a punch, whether it was a headbutt from Tyson Fury's corner. They kept saying, oh, it was a butt. He butt me. Um, so it's possible Willin, who was fighting dirty, was fighting in Tyson Fury's kitchen. That's what you expect. You got to fight a guy who's 6'9", who likes to dance, who likes to have that range established, who likes to outskill you. You're going to expect that guy to come in and try and muck it up if it's going to be a situation where you're going to compete. And Willin's not a guy who has knock you dead power. He's not a guy who really has one calling card when he fights. So... What do you got to do? You got to make it uncomfortable for the champ. You have to. And he was doing a really good job of that. He was making Tyson Fury fight uh, fight from a very, very uncomfortable standpoint. So they they get told by ESPN's sideline reporter or side ring uh, ringside uh, reporter that it was a it was a it was a it was a cut from a punch, not from a butt. And the reason that was significant throughout the entire time was if this fight got stopped, if the fight got stopped, it would have been a loss for Tyson Fury. So there was great urgency from Tyson Fury. Really it cranked up, I would say, from the sixth round. The doctor came in to check the cut, and he just comes out blitzing him. Starts starts hitting him 
crazy, starts throwing massive shots. But this is not this is not Tyson Fury from the Deontay Wilder fight. This is not Tyson Fury for the most of his career. This was a rough-and-tumble Tyson Fury. This was a different type of cat. This was a guy used his weight, used his size to start leaning up on, on Otto Valen because I think he felt like he had to almost be rougher to win the fight because in the early going, a guy who likes to keep his distance, a guy who likes to stick and move, a guy who likes to verify what he goes up, the, um, you know, put up, put up a variety of shots on his opponents. This wasn't that fight. He was going to have to dig in. He was going to have to fight from close range, which is which could be tough. You know, we've seen the struggles that in, that Anthony Joshua has with this, where he's in he's in close quarters, and if he's not in a com- uh, a comfortable spot, he's not going to dig to the body. Uh, he does have that you know nice uppercut that he always can throw in, but this was a different bag of tricks that Tyson Fury was going to have to go to. One that he really hasn't had to, especially since his return. Mind you, this is a guy who ha- is in his fourth fight since his two-year layoff and is still feeling himself out is still talking about the importance of time in the ring rounds uh going through that adversity and he's trying to set himself up for a Deontay Wilder fight this was a, a great sense of urgency so as the fight was going on you could see that Tyson was fighting with a little bit more urgency was 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 fighting with a little bit of a desperation to go and finish the job and the sixth round comes around this, for me, is where the fight turns from a rooting standpoint because, you know, everybody wants to see the upset. It's only natural. Unless you have a great uh, a, a great rooting interest for a certain fighter, and we all have those guys, um, you know, a lot of the times you love seeing the upset. You love seeing that story. Andy Ruiz, I jumped out of my bed when, I, when that thing was going on. It was unbelievable um, because I'm not I'm not some massive Anthony Joshua homer. That's not my guy. I like watching him fight. I'm a, a, a big fan of watching him fight, but I wouldn't say I'm like a huge fan of him personally. I'm not. Uh, I don't have anything against him personally, but it's just like I don't have any super connection to him or Tyson Fury. Um, so you know, at that point, you're rooting for for Otto. You're you're rooting for the for the upset to happen. Then the end of the sixth round happens, and Otto he laces him. And if you don't know what I mean, he took his glove right as the uh, him and Tony Weeks are in a tumble. And Tony Weeks had a very, very tough night of refereeing because he has two big guys, Southpaw versus Orthodox. They're tying each other up a lot. Uh, there's a lot of leaning up against one another. There's a lot of ugly spots where the ref has to reset everybody. And these are giant men. So he was, I'm sure, exhausted at the at the at night's end for, for Tony Weeks. And he gets into one of these breakups. And then all of a sudden, as he's pushing Tyson Fury away, he's got his back to Otto Valen. He uh, Otto puts his he puts his glove, kind of like mushes it, if you will, right on Tyson Fury's cut, and starts like rubbing it and laces it uh, as they on the, are on the break. It was a really, really, really dirty tactic. Really dirty tactic. Understood, it's a fight. Uh, understood that things happen in the course of twelve rounds, but. You're you're at that point supposed to be in, in essentially a timeout. The ref is is clearing you guys about, and this is not you guys being in the heat of the moment. And somebody lets a punch slip. This is not as the bell just rung and one guy gets an extra shot in. No, this was as blatant as it gets as far as a dirty tactic is concerned. And you know people may go, oh well, you know he's he's doing all he can. He's got his hands full. No, because if let's I'll put it like to to you like this. If Tyson Fury was the one who pulled that maneuver 
on Otto Whalen, he would have been getting crushed. People would have been calling for suspension. People would have been called for automatic point deduction. And I feel like because he he was such an underdog in this situation, it was it's not going to be looked upon as this as dirty move. It's kind of just like, well, got to do what you got to do. You know, it was. Uh, it reminds me very similar of of, of um, who the hell is it? It was Floyd Mayweather versus Victor Ortiz. And do you guys remember when Victor Ortiz was headbutting Floyd left and right, like just absolutely blatant to the point where uh, Joe Cortez had to step in and break them up, and he was going to take a point from Victor Ortiz. And then as they were kind of starting the fight again, Victor Ortiz wasn't really ready to fight. Floyd hits him with a two-piece and goes down and gets knocked out. And so he wasn't really looking. It was bad. It was bad tactics. It wasn't great sportsmanship from Floyd, but it is protect yourself at all times. And the guy who got crushed more after that fight was Floyd because people thought it was it was it was a cheating element. I was even like, ah, come on, Floyd. Because the reason was Floyd didn't need to do that. But what's overshadowed in that is that Victor Ortiz headbutt him badly. So he's just getting he was cheating back at a cheater. So that's where the fight really turned for me from a rooting interest standpoint. I wasn't in on the auto story anymore. Um, I, I wasn't rooting for that guy to win anymore. And at that point, Tyson Fury really starts unloading. He was putting some big right hands on him in the seventh round, really showing a lot of guts. Um, I would say pretty much from the cut. I mean, I really had the cut until round 12. I thought Otto, Otto got... Tyson Fury, again, Tyson Fury faced himself a 12th round with a little bit of adversity. He got hit with a big left hand. He looked tired. He was dealing with this cut now for what we're talking about, nine rounds. A lot of, I'm sure, anxiety in his head because you never know when the the officials are going to come in there and stop it. And, you know, it really was a pretty dominant performance from the scorecard, scorecard standpoint. There was a lot of tension and there was a lot of suspense in the bout itself because you never knew if the ref was going to I mean the, the, the globs I've never seen such Vaseline it was crazy uh they were throwing what was basically essentially like a beehive of Vaseline on Tyson Fury's head because that's how bad this cut was it was nasty it was nasty and then as you started seeing it on the eyelid it started getting there too so it really had two cuts to deal with it was it was a guts performance from Tyson Fury though these in a weird way, I'm a guy who, yes, I love seeing the guys go dominate. I love seeing, you know, Vasily Lomachenko go out there and do his thing. You, you love seeing Terrence Crawford go out there and do their thing and, and perform their art and, and execute things uh, to a beautiful standpoint. Errol Spence, his dominance over Mikey Garcia. Those are fun fights to watch because you just see what kind of level these guys are at. But it's, I, I think as any natural person, you love seeing the adversity. You love seeing the greats come through when they have something to really, really put them in danger. Whether it be a cut, whether it be getting knocked down, whether it be a tough style, because then you really see how great they are. Tyson Fury fought this fight against a guy who a lot of people thought he was going to lick early on, that this was going to be an easy, easy night's work, and it wasn't. It wasn't. Maybe it would have been, I'm sure it would have been a lot easier if he didn't have the cut to deal with, but... but he did. He did. And he couldn't see. Um, and so because of that, you can't really stay at this ra- this dangerous range. You kind of got to stay up close where you can try and see more things coming. And that's what he did. We, we saw a different Tyson Fury. We saw a, a an absolute champion quality fighter 
go in there, go to plans C and D, and he was going to the body. He was leaning up against his opponent. He was doing uppercuts, all in just a better range for him. And those will always be the performances where they're not be, they they may not be the most remembered, but they're the ones where you truly like, man, that's what makes that dude great. We talked about this with Habib last week against Dustin Poirier. I don't know if Dustin Poirier is ever going to be his most famous fight, but it's going to be one of those fights where you remember Habib for coming through when things got real dicey, when he got in that guillotine and it was looking real deep and real dangerous for a second and he doesn't tap, gets through it, and then chokes out Dustin Poirier. So it may not be the one that's 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 most highlighted. That'll probably be probably be the Connor fight, and I'm sure the anticipation for the Tony fight will be great. But you'll look back on that Poirier fight and appreciate Habib a little bit more. Same thing with John Bones Jones. You know, you may look back and you may remember the DC fights the most, but it was really the Gustafsons and it was really the Vitor Belforts where you really got to know the greatness of of John Bones Jones. Anderson Silva, same way. You remember the front kicks. You remember the. Uh, you know, the the crazy knockouts, but it may be him pulling through against Shell Sun and the one that you remember the most. It those types of performances are always gonna be the ones where you get the real appreciation for not only the greatness, but the grittiness that these guys go through. The hours that they put in the gym since they were since they were young, young teenagers, uh, to that point where they are grown ass men fighting for millions of dollars, but they still gotta find something in the gut that gets them through and gets them through the fire. And so yeah, I come out of yesterday um, just even more impressed with Tyson Fury. I really do. Even realizing that his opponent, he should have beaten easier, but things happen in a fight. We have just seen this with Andy Ruiz versus Anthony Joshua. He was supposed to. He was supposed to whoop that dude easy, um, and he wasn't able to get through it. He got. He got. Uh, he got knocked down, put on his on on his ass, and he just kept getting put down. Um, you know, so it, it really showed you something extra yesterday with Tyson Fury. It really did. So what does this mean for the heavyweight division? Where do things stand? We'll get into some of that. The rest of the boxing action, we had UFC Vancouver last night. Donald Cerrone versus Justin Gaethje is supposed to be an all-out violent brawl. We'll give you the results of that and what the fallout is right after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back, everybody. You can text the show at 67974. Text on the ticket are driven by Kendall Toyota. And West Kendall Toyota text writes in, Hey, Toby, are you going to watch that Logan Paul fight on DAZN November 9th as they had their press conference yesterday? I will check it out. I will check it out. Um, I think the re- there's a couple reasons. One, uh, my guy, Shannon the Cannon Briggs, he is Logan Paul's trainer. So that'll that'll automatically bring me in. The champ is, is training Logan Paul for this fight. Um, I think they're doing it as right as you can do a celebrity fight. These guys are, if you guys don't know who KSI and Logan Paul are, uh, they're massive YouTube stars. Um, I, you know, some of you may know Logan Paul. He had the controversial thing from the Japanese forest uh, a little far back, but basically they they bubbly bun on 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 YouTube. That's kind of that's kind of their thing. Logan Paul's American, KSI is British. Um, so this was a this is a massive deal. Like they had a pay per view, probably a year ago, maybe eighteen months ago, where they drew over a million buys. And I, you know, it was for I think ten dollars. I don't think it was. Uh, it wasn't like a forty nine ninety nine type of thing. But still, I mean, the people cared about wanting to when it, going to watch the fight. Also, did massive wise on, I'm sure, illegal streaming because you, you know you're major based on YouTube. I'm sure people are going to be able to find a means to go watch your fight. But you know, this one is going to be on DAZN. So 
you know, it's it, not only do you get a uh, you get not only do you get the the fight, but whatever else. DAZN has themselves a lineup. I mean, I, I swear to God, look, if DAZN could just figure out their damn issues with the streaming, if they could just figure it out, they'd have such a home run. <clears throat> I don't know how they're doing compared to ESPN Plus. I imagine not as good because ESPN Plus is a quarter of the price. You know, you got to pay twenty dollars a month if you're just signing up now for DAZN. Um, which for what you're getting this upcoming, you know, this, this upcoming run from basically October through December, you're getting yourself really good fights. So it's going to be, I guess, let's just say if you buy the rest of the year, if you don't have to zone yet, it's 60 bucks. Um, that's basically the cost of one pay-per-view. You're getting a lot of good fights and a lot of good cards. So it's worth it. If you're a fan of fighting, it definitely is. Um, but man. I don't know what it is, man. I don't know what they got to do because, you know, people, I would sit here and tell you maybe it's my crappy internet or something like that, but I never, ever, ever have the issues with any streaming app that I have. And I, you know, Netflix, Amazon Prime, uh, Showtime, HBO, ESPN+, Fox Sports Go. I never have a quarter, not a tenth of the issues that I have when trying to stream DAZN. DAZN is such a pain in the ass when it comes to streaming their fights. It, it, it'll it freeze up on you, then it reloads, and it'll take you, like, way back to the start of the card, sometimes somewhere else in the middle of the card. It is such a pain in the ass. So while the quality of their broadcast from a production standpoint is good, while the while the quality of the fights they put on is good, whatever they're doing for their streaming platform is hot garbage compared to everybody else. It sucks. I don't know what to do. And I probably, I mean, like, from the frustration, if I wasn't grandfathered in, like, one, one of the reasons I'm sticking it out the, through the end of the year is I still have it at the grandfathered price of $10 a month. So I'm trying to just get through it and for the most part you'll get through it but it's not it, it's got to be three times a card I gotta restart or re-up or refine my place to get the card working again it is such a pain in the ass I don't know it's it, it, it's it's really weird I it, it, everybody every other ESPN plus works great HBO Showtime now Amazon Prime all the, I watch a ton of sports via streaming, but my God, zone! you have to get your act together. For Christ's sakes, go ask Logan Paul what he does. He runs a more successful streaming platform than you do as far as it not buffering and it not being a pain in the ass. I need it to get fixed. It really is uber frustrating. It really is because I am telling you, from a boxing content standpoint, they're doing a good job. This is not me ripping... The, the the broadcast, this is not me ripping the quality of their fights. This is, you know, we're getting, you're getting Canelo. You're getting, think about this. You're getting Canelo Alvarez versus Sergey Kovalev and um, Andy Ruiz versus Anthony Joshua. I would say probably in a, a day and age three years ago, that's going about $75 a fight. So you're paying $150. Instead, you're paying... You know, one basically one third of that. If you get it for all three months, plus you're getting 
Usyk, Tyrone, Spong. Plus, you're getting, you know, KSI, Logan Paul. Plus, you're getting uh, all the other matchups that they're putting forth. It's, uh, it, it, you know, Dion, Dion, um, Demetrius Andrade's on DAZN. Gennady Golovkin's on DAZN. I think you're getting him versus Derevchenko in that span. So you're getting a lot of, a lot of fights. But this problem has to stop. It has to. I don't know who I got to talk to at the zone, but they got to fix this crap, man. Every uh, Everybody else gets it right. Never an issue when I'm watching UFC. Never an issue when I'm watching Showtime or Fox. Only with the zone. Fix it. That's my PSA for today. Now, getting back to the KSI Logan Paul thing. I will watch it. I will check it out because, like I said, I do have the zone. So if I can get through the blips, uh, I want to check it out. I think they're also going to be doing some wacky things on this like i've heard uh i think billy joe saunders is supposed to be on this card um there may be like a dylan danis appearance or something like that from bellator so there may be a lot of cross promoting i'm into the circus man i'm i'm not above watching a circus i i i love it all i watch it from the purest form of boxing to the to the biggest bleep storm i'm all for it i love it i love all of it you know i love i i go i go to the buffet you give me everything. You give me. You can give me the hibachi. You can give me the 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 crappy food at the end. Whatever it is, I'm in. I love it. I love a buffet. So, it's uh, it, it's it's wild. So anyway, let's get to UFC from last night. You had the main event was the big headline on this. You had Justin Gaethje versus Donald Cowboy Cerrone. You know, Cowboy looking to bounce back from that really really rough loss to Tony Ferguson, where his eye turned into a balloon. Really crazy. Um, but, you know, look, we're talking a couple of uh, – we're talking back a couple of fights where, you know, Don Cerrone was on a three-fight win streak, looked so good against Mike Perry, Alex Hernandez, everybody thought was going to whoop Don Cerrone's ass. He killed him. Ally Quinta, same deal, put a whooping on him. Um, Tony Ferguson, great fight. But Tony looked like he was starting to take, take the wheel of that one. So – the doctor stoppage was gross, but it looked like he was on his way to winning that fight. This Justin Gaethje fight, again, this I would say is the most lopsided you've seen a cowboy fight probably since Darren Till. I thought that that Justin Gaethje was beating him to the punch. He looked like the younger guy. He looked like the faster guy. He looked like the crisper guy. And when I was looking at this matchup, I was like, you know, Justin's kind of a move forward, hit you with those leg kicks, but he's not—he does—he's not the most skilled guy. We've seen him get torn up by guys who are really, really skilled. Dustin Poirier comes to mind. Um, that's that's kind of in his downfall, where he's the the fights that he's lost, the two fights that he's lost. You know, it's it's guys who have a lot of variety to him, and Donald brings a lot of that to him. But they were very familiar with each other, uh, two really, really good friends, and. He just he looked like he beat him he beat him at at every exchange. He was crisper, he was more powerful, he was stronger. Um Donald really didn't look at his class last night. Really didn't. And he got hit with a massive right hand, face planted him. He got right back up because Donald is crazy. Got right back up, took an uppercut, then took another shot that face planted him. Um Justin starts looking at the ref because Donald's clearly out. He's now been flatlined basically twice, uh, or flash knocked down basically twice. And so Justin has to follow up because it's fighting. But he he was really mad that he had to. Um, great performance by by Justin. 
I thought the the home run. I didn't know if Cowboy was going to call out Conor McGregor afterwards because I feel like he's chased that dragon now enough. <laughs> like, how many times can Cowboy go out there and say, "Hey, let's go, Conor. Let's let's go make this happen." When he was in the midst of this last uh, win streak before we got to the Tony Ferguson fight, I thought him versus Conor was the most obvious thing to make in the world. Two guys, they're going to have adversity. They're going to talk a lot of crap. Uh, great material for Conor McGregor. They're used to the pre- at, at the press conferences. And you know that Donald is going to fight in a way that is is going to be pleasing if you fight a Conor McGregor fight. And I thought that was going to be the most obvious thing in the world, you know, that that they were going to eventually fight. They haven't. And we're all kind of sitting in this orbit of who is Conor going to fight next? What is the next matchup to make? Because seemingly the only person who's called him out in this lightweight division as of late has been Dustin Poirier. Dustin Poirier called him out this week, and he said that, you know, when I think about it, me and Connor make it, running it back makes a lot of sense. And I would before watching that fight again, especially at lightweight. I'd like to see how it goes. I think Dustin's a way better fighter than he was when he fought Connor McGregor. Connor McGregor was kind of at the height of his powers. Um, you know, but I could see if you're Connor McGregor and you're thinking about the comeback fight. Do I want to fight the guy who couldn't go as many rounds as I did with Khabib? Does it sell that much? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, but if you're looking to get a win, it is a guy that you you dusted. You beat it. You beat no, no pun intended. That you beat very easily. So I, I could see the arguments from both sides. But Poirier tweeted, "I think me and Connor running it back makes a ton of sense at this point." Connor says, "I fended the canvas canvas in 90 seconds, bro. You should have spoke my name with a little bit more respect in the buildup." When you said McGregor's not next, mother bleeper, it's all it's McGregor always. McGregor is the goal always. Say that now, and I'll think about it. Hashtag gone in ninety seconds. Hashtag Nick Cage. Hashtag Ajo Lee. Um, you know, I love Dustin Borey, but if you're Conor McGregor and you are looking for a matchup uh, for your big comeback fight, if you're looking for a good matchup, you know you've beaten this guy. Um, but I can see like, look, I, I've I've wipe the floor with Dustin Poirier. He did. It uh, doesn't mean that something different can't happen the next time they fight. We've seen that before. But, um, you know, I of, of all the guys that you kind of would be into seeing it, I don't know if Dustin is the most intriguing that you could. Doesn't mean it's not going to be a different result. But if I'm Connor, I can understand why that's shut down. And they were he is right. Like, look, they dismissed. But here's the thing. You know, Connor can't have it both ways. Like, he can't. He can't be upset that guys are. are he can't be upset that guys are always uh, calling him out and using his name as as a as as a platform, and then get upset when they don't use his name. Like there is a strange thing that's going on with the lightweight division where everybody is trying to brush Connor aside, and I think Cowboy's the perfect example of it. Like you could only chase it for so much because eventually it's gonna be on his terms. If Connor wants to fight you, he's gonna fight you. Um, the UFC will try and make that happen. And I imagine few people are going to say no to that. A lot of people would want to fight him. So if that's the case, do you really need to, to be out here uh, acting like you're you're begging for, for Conor McGregor scraps? I don't know. So roundabout way, let's get back to last night because I took a weird way to get here. Justin, Justin Gaethje, he beats Donald Cerrone. He's mad at the referee. And... You know, it was a vicious knockout. The two are super, super uh, friendly afterwards. Donald's got his arms around him. 
He tells everybody to give it up for Justin Gaethje. It was a really, really awesome moment for a guy who just got knocked the bleep out. Um, so so Daniel, Daniel Cormier doesn't really mince words. He's like, who do you have in your sights? Do you have an Irishman or do you have a Russian? And he goes, the Irishman's not a real fighter. He's retired. Um, I want the winner of Tony versus Habib. And interesting. Like I thought, because, and here's the reason why. When Connor did a sit down with Justin, uh, when Connor did a sit, a sit down with uh, Ariel Hawani, rather, um, he said that his comeback was looking good for July and it was probably going to be against Justin Gaethje. So Justin has knows that he was in the plans. He went really hard at Connor on social media, calling him a, a bleep person and a bleep father. Um, I think the fight makes a lot of sense. I think it does. I think that it's, a, again, a guy who's going to stand up with Connor, who's going to bang with him. I think that it's uh, he's got a little bit of Diaz in him. He's got a little bit of Masvidal in him where he's, uh, he's, he's an absolute monster who comes forward and doesn't give a bleep. We'll talk all that trash. It doesn't matter. doesn't phase him if he loses. Um, just a fan-pleasing fighter. It's, it's hard not to like Justin Gaethje from that standpoint. It really is. But he dismissed it. And I wonder why. Because that was your opportunity to sell the fight. You know, I and if Habib and Tony are going to fight, you know, Habib said he's probably not coming back till the start of the next year. So what are you going to do? You're going to just wait around for those guys to fight and then they'll fight maybe in the summer? You know, Justin Gaethje is not going to be waiting out that long. So I found it weird that he wouldn't call out Conor McGregor because he knows that he knows the fact that that fight was close that's your opportunity to sell yourself and the fight but everybody's kind of just brushing Conor aside because in in the in the uh, in the this is the other reason why I find it weird is I don't know where else he goes from here if you're if you're Justin Gaethje you know he's fought the who's he's fought the who's who of the division Cerrone Barboza Poirier Eddie Alvarez so, where does he go when you're going to move up to fourth or let's say third? Let, maybe he jumps Conor McGregor after this win. I don't know. Uh, he probably won't, but let's say he does. So, he moves to fourth in the rankings. The, the rankings are Khabib, Tony. They're going to fight. that. Everybody hopes they fight each other. Dustin's kind of on the outside looking in because um, he doesn't have a dance partner. Conor's kind of shot down his his plea for a fight. Dustin's beat the crap out of Justin Gaethje. They could run that back. But I don't know what it does for anybody because if Dustin wins, does that line him up for a title shot? Probably not against Habib, maybe against Tony, maybe. Um, I don't know if you're Dustin at that point, what you can do to really please. Does, you know, does Dustin versus Donald make sense? That'd be a fun fight for everybody. But for Justin Gaethje, he's looking at this. I don't think you want to. Go at this and fight somebody who's below you. So I don't know if you'd fight Ally Aquinta. Uh, Paul Felder would be a fun fight if those two went after it. I think that'd be fun. But yeah, I think I think he really did miss an opportunity yesterday to sell himself against Conor McGregor because rankings wise it makes sense, timing wise it makes sense, and to just dismiss it. Look, if you don't believe he's a real fighter, you don't believe he's a real fighter. But wouldn't you want that one on your resume? I thought it was a miss by Justin Gaethje. We're back after this. 
Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Uh, Welcome back, everybody. It is Fighters Fury here on 790, The Ticket. Man, November 2nd, that is going to be fight Christmas, everybody. Gather around the tree that is covered with boxing gloves and MMA gloves because we found out this week that Canelo Alvarez and Sergey Kovalev is official for November 2nd. And yes, that is the same day as Jorge Masvidal against Nate Diaz. That is going to be a fun, fun night. We need to make a watch party happen, man. This needs to happen. We need to gather around, fight fans together, having ourselves a good old time. Um, it is it is going to be a hell of a day. I can't wait. That's fun. I don't really get the Canelo Alvarez versus Sergey Kovalev thing. I will be I will be uh, transparent with that. I don't understand it. I, I There's a couple reasons. One... I, there's there is a risk that is that's involved with Canelo. He's going up and he's fighting a guy in Sergey Kovalev, um, the crusher, dangerous former champion, um, champion now again. Um, just had a really gutty fight against uh, Andre Yard, uh, Anthony Yard. Um, but I don't really, I don't really get it. I don't understand. A lot of the times when I look at fights, I want to know when you're when you're a guy as famous as Canelo Alvarez. What is the reward? Is the reward just going up and and winning belts in another class? Are you trying to are you trying to pocky out this bleep and and then winning as many weight classes as possible? Is is that the ultimate is that the ultimate goal here? Because with with Sergey, he has shown a nice bounce back from the Andre Ward fights. Um, you know he had to he had to not only he not only had to do it against Andre, but he had to do it again uh, later on afterwards. So you know he's back. He's back now in the win column. He's done a little bit of, of of rebuilding of himself, but he's not the same. He, he he's still an awesome fighter, but he's not looked upon as one of the most intimidating guys in boxing anymore. I think he's a guy that people look at as very vulnerable. Um, a guy that if you go to the body, you can really, really, really frustrate. And Canelo is excellent when it comes to going to the body. So. Yeah, I mean, look, it's a it's a dangerous name and it's a dangerous leap to two weight classes, but if he beats him, I think a lot of people are going to go with the narrative that Sergey is washed. I don't know. Ultimately, we got to see what the fight turns into. Maybe it's a classic clash. Uh, they both have really pleasing styles, so there's that. But I, I just find it interesting that he's doing this bout because I don't really know what the uh, the reward is on top of it but I'm into it I mean I'm gonna watch it I just find it fascinating I don't I don't really know where it goes from there um 
Speaking of that same day, Jorge Masvidal versus Colby uh, versus Nate Diaz. We got a little bit of insight this week into the Colby Covington, Jorge Masvidal rift. Now, they've both given completely different sides, which is not surprising, but the ATT teammates, um, former friends, I guess you could say, Masvidal was on the Levitard show this week. He was in for an entire hour in studio, which is always great. Uh, he also got he also got faked out by Poppy on Highly Questionable, which, listen, just uh, just add him to the list. You know, Poppy Poppy has himself an a, a, a entire wall of trophies of dudes he's done the old handshake fake out to. So, sorry, Jorge. It's just uh, you've just joined the club. But he explained to Levitard the genesis of the rift was this. He said, quote, he ripped off my coach. That was his coach, and we were with him until his title fight. After he won the title, he owed the coach a certain amount of money that he didn't pay him. I said, if you don't pay him, I'm going to bleep you up. And my coach uh, got into, in between it. He says, it doesn't have to be like this. Let it slide. And since then, I ain't talked to the dude. It's been about a year and some change, and it is what it is. All these words, they have consequences because the guy used to sleep on my couch, used to eat off of me because I, uh, I was the one with the sponsors. And he was still relatively an amateur, and I was helping the guy out. So it hurts that he would do it in this way just for a like on Facebook or a retweet uh, just to get you and me talking about him. So that's George's side of the story. This is what Colby said. He says, when he got beat up by Damian Maya, which beat up, I mean, like, Damian Maya, like, basically was a backpack on him. Whenever that fight was on the feet, like, George did George stuff. But um, either way, he says, when he got up, beat up by Damian Maya, I had to come up with and clean up his scraps and completely decimate Damian Maya. This is via uh, MMAfighting.com. In his hometown of San Paolo, uh, since then, the relationship ended. George got jealous, he got bitter, and he wanted something that he couldn't have, which was beating Damian Maya and being positioned for a title. Then as soon as I won the belt, he completely turned on me, started talking bleep to me at the gym. At fights, he'd start saying stuff to me. I'm like, stop, dude. You are a light round. Uh, you want to see how me and George goes? Just go on YouTube. I wasn't even trying. I know the haters don't want to turn on a girl, but they should just turn on YouTube. So they have like they have timeline rifts. You know, it seems like uh, to Colby, the relationship deteriorated a lot easier earlier, I should say. And to George, that had happened you know, a little bit later after the uh, after the RDA fight. I will say, though, um, you know, I'm interested to see where this goes as far as, you know, gym politics and all that. But, man, it's not surprising that eventually something would happen over at American Top Team. The place has become such a monster. It's, you know, you walk in there, if you're, if you're a fan of fighting um, – you know, like I've been there for media days. You literally like every 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 time you turn around, there's like another superstar or contender just walking in there. It's it's ridiculous what what kind of palatial estate they've built there for fighting. Um, so it's not surprising. Like you have two guys who are gunning for the same thing, which is a welterweight title and egos, and you know everybody fighting for the top spot gets in the way. And I know this is what we come to. So that's uh, that's where things are at with that right now. But Either way, November 2nd is going to be absolutely, absolutely awesome. Now, one other thing that was interesting, speaking of beefs, this came out this week. Golden Boy yesterday, they also had a card on. They had Jaime Munguia. He beat Patrick Alati to defend his WBO 154-pound title, one via fourth-round TKO. So good for Jaime Munguia. Maybe he can fight Dennis Hogan now. I don't know. I think think Dennis Hogan might be fighting Charlono at this point. Either way, um, he gets himself a win yesterday. But the co-main was supposed to be Ryan Garcia, who is a young star under the Golden Boy banner. 
massive, massive social media following. Millions on Instagram, hundreds of thousands on Twitter. But they're beefing. And, again, I should really say, because they've beefed before. But Ryan Garcia, I would say for right now, is Golden Boy's heir apparent to Canelo. Whenever Canelo decides to hang it up, they think Ryan Garcia is going to be the next big thing. And he was supposed to fight this weekend, but his fight got canceled. His fight got canceled because his opponent got arrested. Got arrested on an outstanding charge. So didn't show up to the weigh-in. So who are you going to fight? Now, what happened was Ryan Garcia and Golden Boy were scrambling around, and apparently Golden Boy was trying to find him a last-minute opponent. And Eric Gomez does a lot of talking for Golden Boy. He says, we were tipped off Tuesday. We went to Ryan's new advisor and lawyer and says, look, there's a potential problem that the promoter is trying to work out. We have a backup of Romero Dunno, who's on the card. Today, Sparrow gets arrested, and we tell Gar- uh, Garcia's team that Dunno is still waiting for the fight. Ryan turned it down and said he's too tough. Dunno is available. He's on weight. He's on the card, but Ryan turned him down. He doesn't want to fight him. Okay, so basically call him skirt, which is a weird thing. to. It's a weird thing to say publicly about your fighter, that he turned down a fight and that he doesn't want to do something on a day's notice. It's a strange thing for a promoter. It's something I would expect from Dana White. But Dana White is the promoter for everybody, basically. Everybody who's basically elite, they fight under the UFC banner. What are you going to do? You kind of just got to shrug your shoulder and be like, all right, Dana be and Dana. But if you're Golden Boy, you don't have a lot of entities anymore. I mean, most of them are dispersed out to either PBC or top rank. I mean, those are kind of the two big horses going on right now with Eddie Hearn making noise as well. But I would say if, if Golden Boy didn't have Canelo Alvarez – would they still be around? I mean, Oscar De La Hoya is barely a public face anymore. Um, has a lot of personal baggage that's going on. And so you have this guy who you look upon as going to be the guy carrying the torch, and you know, you're putting it out to the public that he's out there turning down fights. is is kind of weird to me. So Garcia, he responds on social media, and he says uh, – Unfortunately, I will not be fighting on September 14th tonight. I want to thank all my fans for your support. It's because of you that I get motivated to train to be a fighter. I want to apologize. Hope to be back very soon. I owe you guys one. My promoter acted very unprofessional in a very unprofessional manner. Pattern at this point. Saying things that are false about me. I'm a fighter and I'm not afraid to fight anyone. My team tried tirelessly to negotiate a fair person amount to save the show, but my promoter has shown little interest in my career. I promise I tried for my fans. But, like all things in my life, I'm trying to stay positive and will come back soon. Please share and let all fans know that I am not fighting, I will not be fighting, and I'm sorry for everyone that bought tickets. So, it sounds like Garcia is saying that this was a, you know, if you're going to make me fight on last minute on somebody else, let's up the price a little bit. You know, like, like make, make the risk, make the reward worth my risk. Um, So, that's interesting. These guys have had risks before contractually, like uh, Garcia's had... Lawyers and uh, advisors look into his contract with Golden Boy, thinking there's been some shady stuff there. But that's an interesting one to watch out. Like this is now the second, and the reason this being interesting is they've already had it. They've had a rift with Ryan Garcia. They're coming off a very public rift with Canelo Alvarez being upset with them because they messed up the Triple G negotiations and then messed up the Derevchenko negotiations. And then it ended up with him losing a middleweight belt. And now he's up there fighting Sergey Kovalev, two weight classes up, and basically it seems like saying, 
bleep the middleweight division. And that's one thing with Canelo going up. I don't know if we're going to see him at middleweight again. You know, we're talking two weight classes. Doesn't normally work out great for guys who go that far up and then want to come back down. So, I don't know. Plus, we know that Canelo's, uh, you know, been caught dabbling in some artificial stuff before too. So, I don't know, man. I, I think it's uh I think it it may be it may the the days may be dwindling for for Golden Boy Promotions because this is this is not good when your two biggest stars have had very public feuds with you. Um, who knows? Who knows? But that's that's it's that's that's not great. That's not great that you have that kind of stuff out and you know. Plus, you you know you don't know the mindset of the the face of your promotion too, as far as a promoter standpoint. So, I don't know. I don't know. That's a wild one. That's a wild one, but it is what it is, man. That's uh, things can get crazy in boxing sometimes. Next week, we have UFC Mexico City. Yair Rodriguez against Jeremy Stevens. That is what we like to call a scrap. Yair's coming off that knockout of the year against the Korean Zombie, and Jeremy Stevens is an absolute beast in himself. So these guys, they come forward, they come to they 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 come to scrap. Jeremy Stevens is on a two fight losing streak. He lost to Zabit, lost to Jose Aldo. Very, very interesting fight. Uh, you obviously are going to have Yair Rodriguez fighting in his home country. So I'm going to go with Yair to get the win. Uh, coming off that kind of win that he had against against uh, Korean Zombie. Absolutely, absolutely monstrous. And it took a long time for him to kind of get back and going after losing the way he did to Frankie Edgar. So I'm going to say that the young buck... I mean, he's only 26 years old. There's a lot of fights to the left in him, even though that he had over a year between his last fight. The last time we saw him in there was November, so it's almost been a year since again we saw him. Um, hasn't been very active. Hopefully, if he gets a win over Jeremy Stevens, we start seeing Yair a little bit more. Um, but he definitely is taking on a guy who could put his lights out at any point. But I'm going to go with Yair to get the win. We will uh, talk to you guys next week. If you missed any of the show, download the podcast. Also, uh, I just want to say before I get out of here, a uh, couple of interviews that are also up on the Fight- Fighters Fury page on the Ticket Miami. Sat down this week with King Harold Calderon, who is uh, Miami's WBC Latino champion. Um, got to sit down with him. We talked about his move to first-round management. Potentially, uh, maybe lining up with him, joining up with UFC, Zufa Boxing. Very interesting conversation. He's also been training with a lot of the Miami Heat guys at his, uh, his gym in Hialeah, KO Fitness. So, Pretty interesting conversation. You guys should check out the uh, the the sit down there on the Fighters Fury page on the Ticket Miami, and also Aaron Aponte. Uh, if you guys don't know him, you'll learn a little bit about him. He's an Olympic hopeful, number one in the nation. Uh, get a chance to, uh, to know him. He's got a fascinating story, and really enjoyed my sit downs with those guys this week. Got a couple more things coming from KO Fitness at my time there, uh, getting a chance to spend there this week. So be on the lookout for that. It'll be on the same page as the podcast. But if you guys like fight content. You guys will love that as well. Uh, Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Enjoy the football. Enjoy everything. We will talk to you guys tomorrow morning with Leroy and Beast. Everybody, have a great day.